This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. I am about to say words that I haven't said probably ever that I can remember since I've been covering the Cleveland Browns since the summer of 2011. What are those words? I'll tell you in a minute. Plus, a snub at the All-Star Game, Amani Bates in Summer League. That's all coming up. In this edition of The Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're listening to The Bull in Cleveland on the Bet Rivers Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2023 Cleveland Browns can win the Super Bowl. Now, listen, this is not the boldest statement on the face of the earth. I'm not pretending I'm making. Uh, I'm not predicting the Browns to win the Super Bowl, although maybe I will. Maybe by the time we get to September, the NFL season, the first Sunday of the NFL season is exactly two months from today. The regular season, the season actually starts on Thursday the 7th. The first Sunday in the NFL is exactly two weeks from today, which today is July the 10th. Uh, two months, excuse me. Wish it was two weeks. September the 10th, although I don't wish we were two weeks away from September, but I do wish football was starting. So maybe by then I will. But the Browns can win the Super Bowl. And it's not a long shot. Well, I mean, anybody winning the Super Bowl is a long shot to some degree. But it's not a miracle if it happens, is my point. The Cleveland Browns have been a franchise forever that have started most seasons with no realistic chance of winning the Super Bowl. And they've started in my opinion, every season since I've been covering the team with no realistic chance of winning the Super Bowl. I believe that ends this year. Now, the biggest question mark hanging over this team is the obvious one. Is Deshaun Watson still capable of being a great player? This is the question that every Browns fan hopes the answer is yes, and every fan of every other team hopes is no for multiple reasons. One, you don't want another team to be good. Two, uh, obviously everybody hates Deshaun Watson because of the -the off-the-field stuff last year. Not everybody, but a lot of people. It is what it is. I'm not here to have a debate about the -the off-the-field stuff. That's been done. There's a lot of think pieces you can read on that. Deshaun Watson was a rookie in 2017. He was a good rookie. He finished third in Rookie of the Year. He made the Pro Bowl the following three seasons, 2018, 2019, 2020, played in 47 of a possible 48 games during those three seasons, completed nearly 70% of his passes during those three seasons, threw 
85 touchdowns and 28 picks during those three seasons. Averaged about 280 yards per game, a quarterback rating of over 100, and a QBR of close to 70, including a career-best 4,823 yards. He took the Texans to the playoffs two of those three years without a good offensive line, without much of a running game. In his final season there, they lost. They were terrible. He wasn't. He had no talent around him. They were a terrible team, and they remain a terrible team. Deshaun Watson, through his age 25 season, four years into the league, looked like he was on a Hall of Fame, or at least, at the very least, a borderline Hall of Fame track. That, again, despite being sacked more than any quarterback in the league, in those three full seasons, he was sacked 155 times, including an NFL high 62 times in 2018. On this current Cleveland Browns team, he's playing behind the top five offensive line. He's playing with a decent wide receiving core that hopefully will get better. There's still a player out there. There's still a guy named DeAndre Hopkins. I know we've heard him connected to the Patriots, the Titans. There's a reason he hasn't signed there. That's because he doesn't really want to play for those teams, and he probably wants more money. But he's not dying to play for either of those teams. But even without him, Brown's wide receiving core is improved. I don't love it. Not great. It's not as good as some of the others in the AFC, but it's better. And there's potential for growth. With DeAndre Hopkins, I like it a whole lot. He plays with, the be- with, with my opinion, the best running back in the NFL, certainly top five. With, with with a lower-tier top 10 tight end, with a defense that on paper should be significantly better, a defense that is now coached by Jim Schwartz, one of the best defensive coordinators in the game, a defensive line that is loaded with talent led by one of the best players in football, Miles Garrett, a secondary that is loaded with talent, three good corners, two good safeties, one with Super Bowl pedigree in Juan Thornhill, one with the Chiefs last year. Yes, there's issue at linebacker. Don't love the punter, and the kicker needs to be better this year. But special teams overall should improve. The Browns have added there, too. Made significant changes at special teams as well. They signed Bubba Ventrone, longtime Browns player, specialist on special teams, was a great special teams player, has been a great special teams coach, led the Colts to an excellent unit last year. They've signed three players this season that are specifically special teams guys, something the Browns haven't really done in past years. So they've upgraded the coaching staff. I believe in Kevin Stefanski. Look at what he's gotten out of a mediocre base make. Baker Mayfield and a below average Jacoby Brissett. He had those guys both playing their best football, their best possible football. And so it comes down to this. If Deshaun Watson, who is now still a young 
27 years old. Now, he will turn 28 the opening weekend of the NFL season. So we'll say he's 28 years old. 28 is still very young in terms of quarterbacks. If Kevin Stefanski and, most importantly, Deshaun Watson could get him back to playing like he did in Houston with much better talent around him now, if he is truly that guy who threw, as I said, 85 touchdowns and 26 picks in a three-year stretch, put up huge numbers, led his team to 21 wins his first two full seasons there in 31 games. If he is that guy again, then the Browns should be a playoff team. And I know it's crazy to say, to say all these great things. You say, well, if he's that guy again, they should be a team. Well, the AFC is loaded. The Browns are not the only team in the AFC capable of winning a Super Bowl. We know the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. We know the Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills are right there. We know Jacksonville is playing in a division that stinks, and they have a great young quarterback. We know the Jets, like the Browns, have a much improved roster that, that took a big jump last year, was missing a quarterback. And if Aaron Rodgers, significantly older than Deshaun Watson, is still the great quarterback and the Hall of Fame quarterback he's been in his career, then the Jets are a Super Bowl contender. That gives you six teams right there. That's ignoring Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, who, for, for his flaws, and he hasn't done well in the playoffs, neither is Watson, neither is Josh Allen. But uh, well, that, he's still a dynamic player. He's happy now with his new contract. can never count him out. He's done a lot of winning. A lot of winning. And that's ignoring teams maybe I don't love as much like Miami, who made the playoffs last year. Like the Chargers, who still have one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL in Justin Herbert. Maybe this is the year they finally put it together. They're, the AFC is loaded. So that's why I say should be in the playoffs because even with a great Deshaun Watson, it's not 100% guaranteed the Browns are making the playoffs. Now, if he plays Houston level, I'll be very surprised if they don't. But I, I could see a scenario where we have a 10-win team in the AFC not making the playoffs, especially if you look at the North where there's no bad team. There's no bad team in the North. I don't think there's a bad team in the East. Um, I know the Raiders and Broncos were both bad last year. We'll see on those teams. I think the Broncos will be better. Not sure about the Raiders. Texans stink. The Colts stink. I think the Titans completely collapsed. They remember they started seven and three last year before they lost out. I, I think they're done. That's why. And you know, even though I don't think Jacksonville's great. It's just such an easy, easy path to the playoffs for them. I think. You never know. There's always surprise teams. But the Cleveland Browns the first time in a very long time, have a roster that's capable of winning it all. Now, would I make them the favorites? Of course not. They're not even the favorites in their division, nor should they be. Do I think 
today on July 10th, the Browns will win the Super Bowl? No. Do I think they will win their division? No. Do I think they can win their division? Yes. Do I think they can win the Super Bowl? Yes. And is and I may have named a lot of teams, but in the end, I only see six or seven teams in the league that I think can legitimately win a Super Bowl. And while the Browns have more question, the, the biggest question mark, along with the Jets, of all of them, I think they're one of the teams. It all comes down to Deshaun Watson. It really does. I think there's very little doubt. Yes, I mentioned before, I don't like the Browns linebackers. But if Deshaun Watson plays great and the secondary and the defensive line and the offense are great, you could survive. You, you, the, the, you're in this set, you know, it used to be about defense wins championships. I believe that adage is dead in the NFL. You just can't stink on defense. Can't be terrible. You don't have to be great. No, but there's no great, great defenses anymore. The days of the 85 Bears or those Giants teams with Lawrence Taylor or all those great Ravens defenses with Ray Lewis uh, or, or the Steelers defenses with Troy Polamalu back in the day, those days are done. You can't sustain a great defense. The Eagles were really good last year, really good. But they weren't comparable to any of those teams I'm talking about. And they won't be as good this year because they because once you get good on defense, you always lose a couple of guys. On offense, if you have a great quarterback, you keep him, you're going to stay great probably. On defense, to have a great defense, you have to have a lot of great players. And if you have a lot of great players, eventually you can't pay them all. So you don't stay great. You just got to be competent defensively. The Browns were not in 2022. They were embarrassingly bad defensively. But between upgrading the talent on the field and significantly upgrade and significantly, in my opinion, on the D line, especially, I think they got a little better in the secondary linebacker stayed the same. They got significantly better on the defensive line. That's what it's all about. If Miles Garrett wasn't getting there, they had no chance to get to the quarterback last year. That's going to be different. They got three other guys now, at least. Maybe four or five that can get to the quarterback besides Miles Garrett. They had nobody last year. Nobody. I guarantee you, without looking at it, there's not a single non-Browns fan that could tell you who was second on the Browns and sacks behind Miles Garrett. I, I, I bet you even diehard football fans, fantasy guys, guys who know sports, women who know sports inside and out, Anybody go to the go to NFL Network, bring all those people in. Go to NFL Today, whatever it's called on ESPN. Bring in Orlovsky or Me- Mina Kimes or um, uh, oh my God, I forgot his name. What's his name? The former Jets offensive lineman. Drawing a blank on his name. That doesn't matter. All the guys that work there. Who was second on the Browns and sacks without looking it up? Guarantee and nobody would know it. He's not on the team anymore. I'm not even going to say who it is. You know what? It's because I've got to double check that I'm right. I believe it's Taven Bryan, who was actually a first-round pick by the Jaguars for some reason because he stinks. I think he would. Now i got to look it up. 
2022 Browns sack leaders. I believe he was second on the team with two and a half sacks. Wasn't planning on diving into that subject necessarily. Let's see if I'm right. All right. Sacks. Yes. I said two and a half. I was wrong about that. He had three. Deion Jones was third on the team with two and a half sacks. Again, no longer on the team. That's how bad it was. Miles Garrett had 16 sacks. The rest of the Browns roster combined for 18. 18. That's three guys playing every play and sometimes a fourth guy playing because Miles Garrett didn't play every single snap. And they combined, you know, including the secondary. If you if you take out the secondary, if you just look at defensive linemen, Taven Bryan, Jordan Elliott, Jadavion Clowney, Isaiah Thomas combined for eight sacks, those four guys. Chase Winovich, he had one, so that's nine with five guys. Perrion Winfrey had a half, nine and a half. Tommy Togiai and a half, that's ten with seven guys. Ten sacks from their top other seven defensive linemen. Ten from seven players. Pathetic. Well, now most of those guys, if not all of them, are going to be off the team. And even the guys that are on the team are way down in the rotation. The kicker should be better. Nick Chubb's a star. I think they will not miss Kareem Hunt. He was clearly diminished last year anyway. The Browns are ready to fly. The question is, does Deshaun Watson still have his wings? And we'll start finding that out when training camp begins in a couple of weeks. But we won't really know until the regular season starts. Deshaun Watson was awful last year. There's no other way to put it. Completed 58% of his passes, seven touchdowns, five picks. The numbers across the board were hideous. But it was six games, and he hadn't played in two years. Now's the time. He's got the coach. He's got the team around him. This team's got no excuses. There's no excuse for the Browns not to make the playoffs this year. There's no excuse for Deshaun Watson not to bounce back that year, this year. And that's why the Cleveland Browns can win the Super Bowl. We'll see if it actually happens. Now that the All-Star game is basically upon us and the fill-in guys have been selected, I'm not a huge complain about the, um, the snubs in Major League Baseball All-Star game. But I got I to gotta say, and I have, as many of you know, I haven't always been the biggest Josh Naylor fan. I never, like, hated the guy. I never, I'm, like, I'm crushing him routinely, like I do with Miles uh, Straw, who deserves it. I've been very critical of his ability to hit lefties, which has been a problem, although better this year. Still would never use him against tough lefties, which they don't for the most part. But Josh Naylor is having a magnificent season. I'm all for the old, for the new school stats. You know, his OPS is 825. It's good, very good. Not magnificent, but very good. Um, you look at his war. His war is not great, especially because his defense is subpar. 
So it kind of knocks it down. But there's still something to be said for some of the old school stats, right? And if you look at the leaders in Major League Baseball in runs batted in, and if you factor in the point that the Guardians haven't scored a ton of runs, we've talked about their lack of home runs, they're last in the majors in home runs by a lot. They have no power. There's not a lot of production outside of Jose Ramirez in the Guardians lineup ahead of him. Ahmed Rosario, until the last few weeks, has been terrible, who hits near the top of the lineup. Stephen Kwan's had a bad season. And despite all of that, Josh Naylor is fifth in all of Major League Baseball in RBIs. And he's done it while only hitting 11 home runs. If you He has 64 ribbies. The only guys with more is... Adelise Garcia of the Rangers, Matt Olson of Atlanta. Garcia's got 75 ribbies. Olson's got 72. Shohei Otani has 71. And Rafael Devers has 70. Those guys all have 20 or more home runs. He's got 64 RBIs on just 11 home runs. That's a lot of productive at bats. The only guy with, with less home runs. Anywhere close to him in RBIs is Alec, Alec Baum of the uh, Phillies, who's got nine homers and 57 ribbies. Josh Naylor, he's been getting on base. He's been clutch as hell. He's also, speaking of old school stats, eighth in the majors in, in batting average. It's a shame he's not on the All-Star team. Now, the Guardians already have two players. They're a mediocre team, but they are a first-place team. I know it's a bad division. Jose Ramirez deserves, deserves it. Emmanuel Classe is having a weird year. He leads the league in saves, but he also leads the league in, in blown saves. He's not been as great, and lately he's been lousy. But Josh Naylor should be on this All-Star team. And who knows when he'll ever have this kind of start to a season again. He's a good player, not a great player. But this year, he deserved to be an all-star. He does. There's no doubt. And I, don't, I, when we kept seeing replacements, I kept expecting him to make it. It's too bad he didn't. I hope he gets another opportunity. But it's a shame because he has clearly had an all-star-worthy season. And part of the reason he's not on the all-star team is because of the stupid rule that every team has to have an all-star. And that shouldn't be the case. Uh, it shouldn't. I mean, the Tigers got Michael Lorenzen on the all-star team. He's got over a four ERA. By the way, whoever picked the bullpen and the rest of the roster is just not paying attention. It's a real shame. So the Orioles have a pitcher named Yanir Cano. So Yanir Cano got off to this, like, magnificent start. It created a lot of storylines. Because he was striking out guys at a ridiculous rate early in the season. But he's been lousy lately. And his overall numbers, you know, they look great. A 148 ERA and, and an 090 whip. But he's now averaging less than a strikeout per inning. Like, he got that hype early. He shouldn't be an all-star uh, to me. I, that, 
you know, again, it shouldn't be about what I get it. He was lights out for the first six, eight weeks of the season. But for the last six weeks, he's been lousy. Let's see. What are his numbers? Like since June, I wonder if I can find that last last 28 days. Let's do that. Last 28 days, he's got a 312 ERA and a 162 whip. Five strikeouts and eight and two-thirds. 14 base runners. Last two weeks, he's got a 579 ERA. Like, he hasn't been good for the last month. That shouldn't be an all-star. Like, to me, when you're a, if you're making the all-star team as a, as a setup guy, you got to be perfect for the entire first half. Perfect. And he stunk the last month. Anyway. And 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 I don't even know. Honestly, I just realizing now I have no idea who the athletics all-star rep is. Who the heck is their all-star? It's not even coming to me now. Uh Brent Rooker. Brent Rooker. Have have you heard of Brent Rooker? Brent Rooker. I know he's having an okay year. Well, let me look at his numbers here. Brent Rooker, who's been a journeyman his whole career, 826 OPS, 16 homers, 44 ribbies. I mean, it's not that bad. He's he's having a decent year. He shouldn't be at the All-Star game over Josh Naylor. But that's what you're stuck with when you have this stupid rule. I don't understand it. Are there going to be tons of A's fans tuning in to watch uh, Brent Rook, uh, to watch Brent Rooker? Are there Tigers fans that are going to watch the All-Star game just because of Michael Lorenzen? I don't see it. And this, and why is Ellie De La Cruz not in, in the All-Star game? Can we find a way to get him in there? So stupid. Baseball always like, shoots itself in the foot. They really do. And Salvador Perez is an All-Star for the Royals. I know he's been a great player, but he hasn't been good this year. I mean, he's got 15 homers for a catcher. It's pretty good. But the guy's declining. I don't know. They they they, they screw up this all-star game. Ticks me off. Final thing. Um, I know a lot of Cavs fans going crazy about Amani Bates. Uh, he obviously looks like he's he, watching him in these first two summer league games. Painful watching summer league for me. But I, I forced myself to do it to see what Amani Bates looks like. Now, his shooting's been terrible so far. His three-point shooting's been particularly bad. He's not passing the ball, although I think he did have uh, an assist or two last night. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, clearly in the summer league setting, he looks like a, a decent player. He's very athletic. He's, he's, he's big. He's not afraid to shoot, certainly. But, man, if he's going to do anything in the NBA, he's got to put on some weight. And he's got he's to pass the ball. Like He's not getting an opportunity chucking the ball around and, if anybody thinks he's going to be a big factor for the Cavs in year one, they're out of their minds. No chance. But, uh, but not again, poor shooting. But uh, I, I give him a thumbs up for what I saw in his first two games. I just can't get that worked up about Summer League. You know, most of the guys there you never heard of. And they're never going to play in the NBA. All right, very excited um, about Wednesday's podcast. One of my all-time favorite players is going to be on with me, the Hawk, the Hall of Famer, 
Andre Dawson, one of the toughest baseball players of all time. The man had. And I got to ask him about this because there was always like, he's got no cartilage in his knees. Is that actually true? Did he have no cartilage in his knees? I want to know if that's actually true. But this man was tough. Oh, loved watching Andre. When the Cubs signed him in 1987, I was 15 years old. I was so excited. And the Cubs stunk in 87, but he was great. Won the MVP on the last place team. I think that's the only time that's ever happened, if I remember correctly. Uh, Anyway, well, I'll know the answer to that question by the time I speak to him. But uh, we'll get into all that. Thanks to Brian Monzo for producing. I'll talk to you later. Make sure you join me again, of course, as always. This is The Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Bull in Cleveland on the Bet Rivers Network.